TCK Tales is brought to you in partnership with MK to MK, and they have an incredible thing happening this summer. It could be possible that Budapest is part of God's plan for you next year. MK to MK in Budapest is recruiting for their team. MK to MK is a ministry of crew, a faith-based mission that exists to build a global spiritual community of MKs and TCKs who impact their world for Christ. Through their mission trips, conferences, and care trips, they connect the TCK community around the globe and help them to understand their unique identity by giving vision and spiritual input. They help them grow into their faith and provide opportunities to develop skills to lead and mentor other TCKs. As of October 2018, they've had a team in Budapest, Hungary, whose scope is to serve TCKs and their families throughout Central and Eastern Europe and beyond as they have capacity. They are right now looking for young adult MKs who would be willing to join their team for a one-year stint of this upcoming year. They are in particular in need of guys who can come alongside younger male MKs and mentor their relationship. If you are interested, go to their website, mk2mk.org, or go through my website at tcktales.com under the resources tab. And let me just tell you guys, MK2MK is an incredible organization. I learned so much from them and through going on projects with them. It's an incredible opportunity. And I have actually been to Budapest and worked with a lot of the MKs that are there. And they are an incredible group of people. And crew in Hungary and crew in Budapest is incredible. And also like Budapest is just a super dope city. So definitely check them out. It is an incredible opportunity, a great time to just get to know and mentor other MKs and leverage your story for other people. Hey guys, my name is John and you're listening to TCK Tales. So I know that it has been a couple weeks since my last episode, and the reason is life just kind of got really crazy. Just going to be full transparency, theater of the mind here. My life got just really busy with work and finishing up school, and my birthday happened last week, and it was just a lot, and I could not get into the studio to record the intros and the outros, and I didn't want to produce something that wasn't good. Basically, my plan was, when I initially started this, was to be done with this season by now, but because of life and the job and everything that is in the the first episode of this season... I did not get that get that done. So therefore, life kind of got a little bit crazy with me graduating on Friday and everything like that. But I'm really glad I got this episode out. And with the summer coming up, that should make life a little bit easier. But you know, it's tough doing like four different jobs. But I do very much love this job and I love everything about doing this. But I would be able to do it better if I didn't have to rely on other things for primary income. And that is where you guys come in. So I need money in order to do things because life is happening. Like I just got an apartment and I'm getting married and I just need to be able to do things. And uh, I need to be able to devote time to this. And in order to do that, to take time away from other things. And so I would very much appreciate it if you guys would um, financially support me in some way, if you feel like you want to. Uh, if this podcast has been meaningful to you in some way and you want to try, you want to um, 
support it, uh, you can do that through Anchor. There is a link and you can choose to subscribe and there are various levels that you can choose to do. Um, also support my support my sponsors. Check those check those guys out because they then help me and they let me know that this podcast is working and that people listen and things like that more than just my parents. Hi mom. Hi dad. So yeah, do that and that would be a great help to me. Uh, thank you guys again so much for all of the responses and the messages and the things that I've gotten about the podcast and what it's meaning to you. And I'm just really excited for like where this can go and what this could do and where I could take this still. So I'm really excited. And I'm sorry again that I wasn't able to get the past couple episodes out. But I have one now. And it's an incredible conversation with a friend of mine. His name is Tim Gabuna. He is just wrapping up his term as president of the International Student Fellowship. And so this will kind of end our International Student Identity Series. And then from there, we're going to transition into something something else and something a little bit different. And so I'm really excited about that. But Tim and I have just a really good, open, honest conversation about what it's like to be a first-generation immigrant into a, into a family. So his parents moved here from the Philippines, and he was born here. So uh, he had a really interesting mix of Filipino culture and American culture, and we just kind of talk about the ways that culture kind of interacts with your life and with you, and, and the ways, like, as culture blends, you kind of gives one more priority than the other and vice versa and it's just an incredibly fascinating conversation so check that out and yeah i will be back in a little bit but here is tim with his tck tale I'm Tim Gabuna. I am from Barrie, Ontario, Canada. I am currently a junior here at Moody Bible Institute, and I am both Filipino and Canadian. So I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. So for all those Americans that don't know, that's pretty much like the Minnesota of Canada. Yeah, at this time, my family was surrounded by Filipinos. My parents got married in a Filipino church. And then even I remember in the early stages of my life that I was just around Filipinos all the time. But then around three years old, my parents decided to make the move to Barrie, where I live now. And that was like a really hard experience for me because I was, you know, getting ripped away from like people I was already learning to have community with even at such a very young age. And so we moved down. And so this is like, I think, senior kindergarten. I don't know if Americans have that, but at senior kindergarten. Did you say senior kindergarten? Yeah, we have, we have two years of, of kindergarten. So junior kindergarten when you're like four, and then senior when you're five. Uh, we have pre-K oh. and kindergarten. So I guess our version of junior kindergarten would be called pre-K, which is essentially, I guess, pre-kindergarten, but no one ever calls it pre-kindergarten. They just call it pre-K. And then we have just normal kindergarten. That makes, that makes sense. That's that interesting. Helps. Okay. And so, yeah, going there, we, actually, we were actually moving to Barrie to meet with other family, to live with them. Yeah, we moved to Barrie because there was already one set of cousins there, and there was another set of cousins moving from the Philippines there. And so all three of us, like on my dad's side, so my dad, my aunt, and another one of my aunts, they, we were all going to live together in the same city. It was like, it wasn't really necessarily a big rip out of like, of culturally, but then I started going to public school over there. And that's when culturally just things um, were totally different. So, but yeah, then going to public school, it was a totally different cultural shift. But the interesting part was like at a young age, I didn't really notice this because, you know, 
We're like, okay, I'm brown, you're all white, but who really cares because we're all kids and we're just running around like doing our own thing. But slowly but surely, it it was just thing like culturally things started to collide like between Canadian culture and between Filipino culture. You know, like starting around like third grade and fourth grade, you know, you get questions like, oh, wh- why are you like bringing rice in, like to school? Like that seemed like so Asian of you. Or like, man, like why do your parents talk like that? Or, you know, like why are your parents so weird? And that those kind of things. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, I guess they're just a bit weird, but I, I mean, I guess they're just different. And then it wasn't until about like sixth, seventh, eighth grade where I started to realize that there were big, like cultural differences. But instead of embracing my home culture, which was primarily Filipino, because my my parents are first generation, or I'm a first generation Canadian, and they are immigrants over here, I just viewed like the home culture as like super negative, because. If my home culture wasn't like the culture that I was trying to fit in with, which was Canadian culture, then everything I viewed at home was like just negative. Like I, I was no, I I wouldn't say I was ashamed of my home culture, but it was it wasn't like I was proud of it either. I wasn't interested in learning about Filipino heritage. I wasn't interested in learning my family tree. Um, I wasn't even interested in eating the foods that we ate. So unless it was tasty, like I wouldn't like be that culturally interested in it um and it was at this time as well like you know and I, if you've ever been to public school you know this like racist jokes has come in as well so you know i got called like small eyes or like you know oh you're eating cats and dogs or like all these other things you know and that didn't help with me trying to embrace like my filipino culture because at this point already viewing my my uh, i guess ethnic my ethnicity as negative, it just it was just dumped upon like e- to be even worse because of all these other people just saying like, oh no, my culture is just bad. It's weird. And even though I never said that explicitly, definitely subconsciously, it weighed on my mind a lot. And so, yeah, going into high school, then I always called myself like, an, like a golden Oreo. So I'm yellow on the outside, but white on the inside. Because everything I did was totally like totally Caucasian like you know like I got into Starbucks that Panera stuff like super like stereotypical white things but then also like you know like I wouldn't you know do the like the mannerisms that like typical Filipinos would have or the per- same personality um, and even like at like family gatherings definitely like sometimes just didn't fit in at all where, like, as a young kid where, you know, I'd, like, totally blend in and have fun and, like, totally do that, it almost became apparent that as I started growing older that it was totally different. So how did your family react to that? Yeah. Um, because, like, you're, like you said, you know, you came to be with family and sure. Allie was one of those cousins that, yep. and so, like, you guys both coming to Moody at the same time, you guys are very similar mm-hmm. in, like, mannerisms and dress sure and things like that like how did she view that as well because i mean based on what i know about you and the way that you're talking now it seems Mm -hmm. like you know maybe she had a lot more of those canadian elements as well did she have you guys talked about that at all sure yeah we, we definitely talked about that but long story short think around fourth or fifth grade my dad and like both of those two siblings that we met together there's been this like long standing like family like rivalry 
or like just family dissension because my dad on my dad's side he has about 10 other brothers and sisters and when you go into business with them that doesn't sound like a great plan at times <laughs> and so essentially i actually never had contact with her until about or with ali until about high school and then at that point my other group of cousins moved to toronto so really the only like i would see my asian uh my asian cousins in toronto maybe like you know, once every few months. And then I didn't have Ali's family in my life at all. So you bring up a good question because really my only other Asian influences were like my cousins that I haven't seen in a while. And with the people I grew up in, what like they were all white friends. Okay. Never never had um and like Asian friends at all until high school. Okay. So like as this like rejection of Filipino culture is happening, sure. there's also stuff happening in your family yep. that is pushing away the familial yep. Filipino influences in your life. So it's yep. all kind of like coming yeah. together to create this perfect storm of just like, I hate you, mom and dad's culture. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And even personally from my, my parents, they didn't help at all because, and I don't blame them because, you know, being immigrants coming here, how do you like, after never having to deal with cross-cultural issues in your life, you know, how do you deal with your kids that are actually like almost even foreign to you because they're raised in a different culture while you yourself are learning from this new Canadian culture. Because even though like my dad has and my mom have been here for like 20 years um, in Canada, they're still, they're still definitely Filipino. It's obvious in their accent and the way they act and whatever. And so at home, I never learned Tagalog, which is the main uh, Filipino language. I, even though my parents were like culturally Filipino still at, at the home, like, they never, like, forced that culture upon us. They never forced us to embrace that. And even for, like, celebrations, whether it was birthdays or Christmas, which are entirely different in Filipino context, like, they were definitely, like, a weird mix of, like, some Filipino celebrations and birthday celebrations as well. So, yeah, overall, with, like, the family, like, with my extended family being cut out, and even with my own family, like, in this weird cross-cultural confusion, yeah, the whole Filipino culture was just like kind of just pushed away. And so, yeah, I think even in high school, like didn't really embrace the Asian culture. I've used it, I, I viewed it more as like a way of making me more interesting. It was just, it wasn't really like an identity. It was more like, oh, hey, he's brown. He must be different. He must be cool, you know? And I remember, I, I, I even show people today, like we had like a brown picture for high school graduation because out of a school of like 600 in our graduating class, there was like 20 of us that were like brown. And that's not even Asians. Like I was like the only Far East Asian. The other people were from like the Middle East and then half of them were Latino. So it, it, it didn't help at all. And yeah, even, even in high school, I, I had like Asian friends, like people from Pakistan, India, but they too were also in this weird cultural confusion. So even from their influence, I didn't, I like, they just influenced me subconsciously to just push away my own home culture. And all, and then like the racist jokes and like all that kind of stuff, that still continued. Not, not as bad as it was because, you know, people smarten up, but they still continued in high school. And so overall I came in, I, by the time I was done high school, I came in with a very negative, view of Filipino culture. Um, it wasn't until Moody 
where I started to embrace Filipino culture, but in a weird struggle. I would point it to last, yeah, so last year in the fall, I took a class called Ministry Leadership and Staff Relationships. And um, one of the assignments that we have to do in the class is called an IDI assessment, like an intercultural development inventory. And it's run by uh, Dr. Hendrickson. So all you do is like you, si you sign up for it and then you go online, you like take the quiz and it'll be like from like least likely to most likely. And it'll be stuff like, I embrace my home culture like least like or like disagree or like agree or it'll be like talk about your experiences like growing up as an Asian Canadian and then I type that out and so afterwards each person that takes the test is supposed to do a debrief with Dr. Hendrickson just about the test and like how culturally competent you are and before going in our prof was like you know you're going to be surprised that you're not as culturally competent as you think you are but me, being the international and being the Canadian, I was like, heck no, all these Americans, they don't understand anything. They're just super like white suburban kids. So I'm gonna get like the best grade. And so there's like five levels from like totally uncultural at all to like super like accepting and like of all cultures and like really good at it, whatever. And when I had my debrief, I was like a two out of five. <laughs> and I was so surprised. I was like, how is this even possible that, like, me having, like, this diverse Filipino-Canadian background be so culturally incompetent? And so talking with Dr. Henderson, I realized that I was super polarized to my home culture. I and I was super polarized even to some extent to American culture as well, where... I didn't see the positives in both cultures as much, and I overemphasized some greater things in other cultures. Just trying to process through that situation, I realized that I need to view like my home culture at, like through both its good things and its bad things, as scripture would say. Because if we all know that each culture each culture has its flaws, no matter you know whether you're from the west or from the east or whatever. And it's just being able to, like, um, with wisdom, be able to point out whether, okay, that's a good and redeeming part of culture, but that's bad as well. And for me, that it took a lot of effort to be able to say, no, that's okay. That, like, this part about Filipino culture is good, and I need to accept that because that's a part of me, and I can't ignore that. And then taking parts of Canadian culture and being like, okay, that's good, but also these parts are not that good. Like, the fact that... It was, uh, I was involved in a culture that, even though claimed to be multicultural, it wasn't really accepting of cultures at all. And I had to condemn that in my own culture and just continue to live out um, who I was, which was a Filipino-Canadian. So what does that look like now for you, like, yeah. as someone who has almost, like, completely rejected Filipino culture? What does that look like trying to go back and sure. reassess? Yeah. What has that looked like? Definitely going home, it caused me to give my parents a lot of grace and even just asking them questions about like home and like culture and that kind of 
like that kind of deal where I wouldn't even question it or like I just get like angry or upset with my parents because they were doing something that was totally not Western and just thinking that is wrong. Just like asking them, why are they like that? And like just being more curious about that. And then even even here, there's like like all my Filipino friends here, whether I'm just acquaintances with them or like really good friends, like I know that a lot of them, they're, they're much more Filipino than I am. And it's just learning to embrace that and be like, oh, that's that's just their Filipino side and learning from that and learning that that is a good thing. It's not a different thing, if that makes sense. Okay, so how have you taken what you learned, this reality, mm-hmm. and you serve as president of ISF yep. now? And you started your service of this, and your, I guess your appointment or your administration or whatever you call it, yeah. after realizing this. So how did... Yeah this cultural realization affect your involvement in ISF yeah. and how has it affected you as the leader of the international student group? Sure. Yeah. After, so going back to last year and doing that IDI assessment, that was when I was on the exec team for ISF initially. And at that point, it caused me to realize that not everything that we do internationally is glorified. That just because we're different and just because we do things differently doesn't always mean it's the best way. At that point, weirdly enough, I took a lot of pride in my Canadianness, And even if you talk to people, I'm pretty sure they would say that there's a lot of pride in being international and being different. And what that led me to do was to be able to view internationals in a much more balanced light with saying, okay, this is good, but also this is stuff that we need to work on and also to not devalue American culture. And it really said in my heart, working for ISF to say, okay, we need these cultures to learn from each other rather than to put pride in each other or pride in their own selves. And so going into president this year, um, I've just tried to been like following what the trend has been for international student groups. I tell people that if you looked at the international group like maybe two, three years ago, like it was very much like, hey, we're internationals and we're going to hang out with internationals. And if you're someone that's different from us, it's going to be real hard to get in. And I remember even freshman year, like even witnessing a bit of that and taking in a bit of that pride as well. But um, ever since our old international dean came in, Mary, she's she was like the forefront of like, hey, no, we have to like, we don't want internationals to assimilate completely, but you you guys need to be able to reach out to the rest of the body. Like Americans are not supposed to be neglected. You're you're here for a reason to edify them as well. And so she started this whole thing of just like being able to integrate internationals but still having their cultural identity. And so that's what I've been trying to do as president is to still have events where like the international body is can celebrate their cultures but then also have just cultivate experiences where like internationals and Americans can come together and just realize commonalities and just be able to learn from each other, even though culturally they might be completely different. And so that's through like planning events like worship nights or prayer nights or even just having fun and just realizing, oh, there's actually like this this person's actually another person and not just some weird alien from a different world. And I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, that that's the international community has has significantly involved, evolved since mm-hmm. I've been here. 
But it's funny that you say, you know, it's for people who are different than the international community, it was hard to come in, which is ironic yep. because it's supposed to be the most diverse and culturally inclusive group <laughs> on campus. If you are interested in, like, just having fun with ISF, just being part of the international community, on our Facebook page, it's just called International Student Fellowship. There's a bunch of kids in front of the Kroll Arch. So you'll know which International Student Fellowship that one is and just go like the page and then you'll be able to have all the updates. Usually every Sunday, we try to go out um, to a different ethnic restaurant and people just come in because who doesn't love to have fellowship over eating? And even just like, if you like see a group of us sitting down, like just come and ask to sit with us because we are more than glad to just have you there. My favorite part about Tim's story, and you kind of got to hear me processing it, and so these monologues at the end are going to kind of be less and less as they're more processing as I'm going, but I love the quick way that Tim was able to change and how distinct he has made his term as president of ISF from some of the other ones in the way that he wants to. He's using his background and the way he grew up here in the West, but with significant significant international and Eastern roots to influence how he leads and uh, there has been just in the brief times I was able to see him last semester there have been significant ways that he has changed the way the international student community works and the MK community works for the better so yeah ISF is a fantastic organization a fantastic community so check them out especially if you're going to Moody and you're going to be an international student they should already you should already know about them but they're an incredible organization Um, as well as Mukapa, which was the my sponsor last semester, they are an incredible organization, and they are multi collegiate. So, if you're a missionary kid and you're going into college and you're looking um, into college starting at the end of the summer, check out Mukapa. I know they're at Cedarville and they're at a lot of very Christian colleges. So, check them out. Look for them on Facebook and things like that. And if you're going to Moody definitely check out Mukapa because Mukapa is super dope. If you enjoyed this podcast and you know, you think you might have a story that you want to share, share it with me, send it with me, go to my website. It is tcktales.com and uh, go to the share your story tab and answer the questions and just reach out to me and we'll talk and we'll engage. Um, I would love to hear from you guys about what is happening and what you guys are doing and don't feel intimidated about being on the podcast. Um, Just, start a conversation it's the it's honestly going to be going to be good for both of us and i get to make a new friend so that's that's exciting um while at the website you can see a bunch of other things there so check that out it's tcktales.com or you can reach out to me on facebook at tcktales at facebook.com or shoot me an email at tcktales at gmail.com if you really enjoyed the podcast please uh rate and review it because that gets us on to other people's um other people's viewing thingies that gets us onto other people's phones and it does something with metrics and stuff like that so give us give me a five-star review and well don't give me give the podcast i don't deserve a five-star review but give the podcast a five-star review and uh a recommendation there and also tell your friends about it tell your friends and your people going people who you know who are going overseas and who are um maybe not going overseas or whatever just uh, tell them about the podcast if you if you enjoy it um, like I said, we're going to be switching gears into more traditional MK stories uh, 
from now on with a really exciting episode coming up in a couple weeks. Next week, I am going to be uh, showing you guys a uh, episode from another podcast I do with my youth pastor called the missional student podcast for you guys to check out. It was kind of like a bonus episode and then we'll jump in with um, a guy that I found out about. He is an MK from Nigeria who also hosts a TCK podcast. So it's a lot of fun and it's a really exciting interview. So I'm excited to share that with you. Until next week, guys, uh, I will see you later. And um, yeah, tune in next week for another TCK tale.